Today, we begin a four-part series that's called Relationship Tune-Ups. Relationship Tune-Ups. And today is the first part of that message, and it's, it's entitled, God Loves You with an Everlasting Love. God loves you with an everlasting love. How about telling someone right beside you that God loves you with an everlasting love? He really does. He really loves you with an, with an everlasting love. Y'all can stop now. Come on now. <laughs> Oh, boy. Y'all are so good. You're so good. I'm going to bring that particular, this particular message from the book of Hosea. So if you have your swords, your Bibles, you can turn to that. It's on page 1376 in my Bible. But it's next to Daniel, really. It's right after Daniel. And it's exciting to be able to see it walked out. Now, it it might disturb you a little bit, some of the things that God says, or that I may say from this, but be assured that God loves you with an everlasting love. In chapter 1, verse 1, the word of the Lord, which came to Hosea, the son of Beer, during the days of Uzziah, Jotham, and Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah, during the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, that was actually Jeroboam the two, king of Israel, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, and Hosea's name means salvation, The Lord said to Hosea, go, take to yourself a wife of holotry. Some versions may say uh, adulterous, some may say prostitution, some may say other things, but mine say holotry, means the same thing. And have children of holotry. In the land, for the land commits fragrant holotry, Forsaken the Lord. Now, aren't you glad you're not a prophet from the Old Testament? Because God may tell you to do something that will actually walk out or demonstrate his prophetic message. You know, we like to say the prophetic message. Like Jonah, he didn't even want to say it because he knew that God made change. So therefore, uh, he didn't want to even proclaim it because he would look bad if it didn't come true. So people like being prophets because what they speak comes true usually in Old Testament. It did come true all the time. Now, this prophet, though, he had to demonstrate this message. I don't know whether I could have done it or not. I really don't know. Because he had to go, and it says, so he went, in verse 3, and took Gomer. My goodness gracious the daughter of Dalbim, and 
she conceived and bore him a son. So it's time passing. It's different, different um, theologians say different things because we really don't know exactly what the situation was at that time, but they say it could have been a person that God already knew was going to then turn into a prostitute or uh, go into a, a holotry, or it could have been some temple prostitute that um, he married. We don't know. That's not the really essence of the story. It doesn't matter whether it happened, whether he married one beforehand, he knew it, or whether she became. It's bad news, isn't it, for the person? It's bad news for the person, okay? Verse 4, And the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will punish the house of Jehu for the bloodshed. It was actually a massacre that he, he did uh, in Jezreel with Ahab's sons and whatnot. And, put it in, and I'm, I'm going to put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. So God is talking about Israel's sin still. And it will come about on that day that I will break the bow of, the, of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Then she conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. So God is speaking through the children also. And the Lord said to him, name her Lo-Rahamah, for I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel. So the name of Lo-Rahamah means unpitied, not loved, without mercy. That's what it means. So he's speaking prophetically again. So he's telling the house of Israel that I'm no longer going to have pit on you. I'm no longer going to have compassion on you. I'm no longer going to have mercy on you. Judgment is coming. But I will have compassion, verse 7 says, on the house of Judah and deliver them by the Lord, their God, and will not deliver them by bow, sword, battle, horses of horsemen. Verse 8. When she had winged Loharama, she conceived and gave birth to a son. So now it's the second son. And the Lord said to, said to him, Name him Lo-Ami, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Now that's a hard word, isn't it? That Israel is hearing. It's a hard word. But verse 10 says something. It says, Yet the number of the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And it will come about that in the place where it is said to them, You are not my people. It will be said to them, You are the sons of the living God. Now, this is different here. This is an application he's saying to Israel. And this is saying here that, that well, even though, Judgment is coming. I still love you with an everlasting love. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you, even until the end of time. I'm not going to do that. I have plans that I'm going to bring you out. I have plans that you are still going to be my people. That's an encouraging word to Israel, even though they get a disappointing word. He's trying to get them to forsake their, their sin, and to repent. That's what he's trying to get them to do by sending the prophet. 
He doesn't want to have to do it. But if they don't repent, he will have to do it. And the sons of Judah, verse 11, and the sons of Israel will be gathered together and they will appoint for themselves one leader and they will go up from the land for great will be the day of Jezreel. So where there was a slaughter, where there, there's judgment, he's going to be a restoration. That's what he said. Then in chapter 2, he says, Said to your brothers, Ami, which is me, my people. Some versions would, would not even say Ami, they said my people. And to your sisters, Ruhama, which means my loved one. Contend with your mother, contend for she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. And let her put away her harlotry from her face and her adultery from between her breasts, or I will strip her naked and expose her as on the day when, I, when she was born. I will also make her like a wilderness. It's bad news again. Bad news. But then he says in verse 6, Therefore, behold, I will hedge up her way with thorns, and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find paths. She will pursue her lovers, but she will not overtake them. She will seek them, but she will not find them. Then she will say, I will go back to my husband, for it was better off for me than it is now. Now, God is continually trying to prevent Israel from continuing to commit adultery or spiritual adultery, idolatry. He's trying to do that. And you're wondering probably, what happened to Gomer during this time? Well, what happened during this time was that Gomer, she's had three children. She's still committing adultery against Hosea. Hosea is sorrowful. But God is trying to let him know that in order to bring this message that I have for Israel, I want you to go through something so you will have pity, you will have compassion, you will feel what I feel, but yet you're going to do what I ask you to do and show my faithfulness. So Gomer is now, um, has been so bad that she decides that she's going to leave Hosea, and she goes after her lovers. God has said that he's going to try to protect her. Um, by hedging up the way, so she's going to come back. So where is Goma now? She's with a lover, one of her many lovers. She's with, with a lover. And how, you, how do you think Hosea's feeling? He probably cries at night. He doesn't know what to do. You, you know he didn't take, she didn't take the children with her, so he, he's, all this stuff is going on. And have you seen people in that situation? Stuff has happened in their lives. And you have to try to bring God's word to them, to try to comfort them, to try to encourage them. This is the foundation message to relationship tune-ups. 
This is the foundation message to the fact that if you're going to have any relationship, you're going to have to have the character of God. You can't have just our natural fleshly tendencies if we're going to represent the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Great I Am in our relationships. Whether it be if you're single and have relationships with um, your parents or with your uh, brothers and sisters, with your co-workers, whether you are married, whether you're engaged, it doesn't matter what relationship you're in, you're going to have to develop the character of God if you're going to have a foundation for everlasting relationships. God wants everlasting relationships. That's what he wants. He doesn't want uh, relationships that's, that's division, uh, confusion, uh, turmoil, and divorce. He doesn't want that. He hates divorce, doesn't he? It says so in his word. Now, we know it happens in this day and time, but that's not God's intention. So I'm trying to help you so that you can have everlasting relationships while you're on this earth. That's important. I didn't know anywhere else to start but from the foundation. If you're going to build a relationship, you have to start with a solid foundation. And so many of us probably were like me in that I didn't have a foundation. Nobody gave me a foundation. Nobody taught me anything. So the only thing I could do is go by what I saw. And in my background, it was not a good thing to see, per se, because I'm an illegitimate child. My father didn't see fit to marry my mother. My mother's husband had died. She had three children. Then my father came along, had me, um, didn't marry my mother. And so I lived with my aunt all my elementary school days age until I got to junior high school. I lived with my aunt because my mother worked in um, early in the morning and wouldn't be able to get me to school. So she sent me to live with my aunt that lived across the street from my elementary school, so that's where I went to school at, across town from my mother. So I saw my mother on one weekend, my father on one weekend, and that's how I grew up. My mother married, married again, and my father married. Uh, I think he's, he was married twice. So not a good situation. Not a good situation. But I thank God that he had mercy on me in my years of my early years of marriage where I did not have a foundation. So I had to be taught a foundation. I had to I had to learn a foundation the hard way. And so I don't want you to do that. I want you to have a solid foundation. Now I know that some of you have, have testimonies and in situations that's that's like mine. Worse than mine, similar to mine, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's not good. Satan doesn't want anybody, anybody to grow up without uh, being hurt emotionally or mentally or physically. All of us bring probably something into a marriage, something into a relationship 
that God has to help you with in order for that relationship to last. That's why so many uh, uh, breakups in relationships. And it's in the church also, isn't it? It's hard to keep relationships going in the church because you're going to get on one another's nerve. You're going to rub somebody the wrong way. Somebody's not going to speak to you when you thought they should have spoken to you. Somebody's going to not put you in a position where you thought you should have been in a position. Somebody's going to do something that's going to make you mad. And God says, and during that time is growth time. It's growth time. During the times where in our marriage, Minerva and I uh, had difficulties because of me, it was growth time. It was growth time. And I thank God that she had a better foundation for family than I did. So she tried to help me, have mercy on me, have pity on me. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. So we see here that, let's turn to chapter 3, the restoration of Gomer, because I don't know about you, it'll be hard for me to take Gomer back. Gomer going to have to be just lost. <laughs> lost. Because Gomer is keep doing, she's keep doing her thing. I don't know whether Gomer is going to ever change. And from basically, we don't know because the book doesn't say. Was he ever changed? Now we know that Rahab changed because Rahab uh, is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ and she was a prostitute. So we know she changed. Gomer, this man might have to put up with this all his life. Is, is God putting up with things from his church, unfaithfulness in his church, all the time we've been in existence? What do you think? From Genesis to Revelation, that's what I read. That, that in Revelations, I see that the church is still not like it's supposed to be. So that means that God is loving Israel and spiritual, the spiritual Israel, which is us, with an everlasting love. That means that Hosea is going to have to love Gomer with an everlasting love in spite of her origin. Then the Lord, verse 1, said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by her husband, is loved by another, loved by a lover. Yet an adulteress. Mm. Even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel. That's good news, isn't it? Let's tell us about the character of God. Though they turn to other gods, and love raising cakes, use idolatry. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver. That's, a, that's half the price of, uh, of, of a slave. So we, we see that, know that Gomer now is in servitude with somebody. She's, in, she's, she's, 
She's now so low, she's a slave. Prostitution is, is in slavery anyway. Slave by sin. And a homer and a half of barley. Then I said to her, you shall stay with me for many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So he's going to prevent her from seeing anybody else because he knows she'll, she'll go with that man too. So he's going to try to keep her from seeing anybody. So I will also be toward you. And so what he's saying here is that I'll, I'm going to bring you to live with me again. And I'm going to try to keep you from going into the same pattern that you've been going into. But I'm going to have affection towards you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to care for you. My goodness gracious. God loves us with an everlasting love. Can we do that in our relationships? Even though someone doesn't do what you think they should be doing, even though somebody is not stroking you like you think you need to be stroked, even though somebody is not ministering to your love languages or your love language, so most of us have two that one or two that's pretty good, you know, they're not touching you like you want to be touched. They're not giving you words of affirmation like you want to be given. They're not spending quality time with you like you want to be spent with. They're not giving you gifts. Come on. They're not doing acts of service. You have to keep on them about the same old, same old. Take the garbage out. You know? Even though, are you going to love with an everlasting love? Or are we going to go the way society goes in that, well, if you don't meet my needs, I'm not going to meet your needs. If you act like you don't love me, I'm going to act like I don't love you. You raise your voice at me, I'm going to raise my voice at you. And therefore, if the kids hear it, they just hear it. If they get in the way, I raise my voice at them. We do that, don't we? Yeah. Or are we going to be like Christ is towards us? I can't remember sensing the Holy Spirit get upset with me because I'm not following him. Because I know you know that we don't follow the Holy Spirit all the time. I know even though we say holy, 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 that's to the Lord God Almighty. Not, you know, we are holy because we are positioned in holiness. We have holiness living inside us. We are not sanctified yet like we should be. We're in the process. We're going from sanctification to sanctification. Praise God. But I don't know about you. We haven't arrived. If we haven't arrived, then that means that we still get in the flesh. So therefore, how are we going to treat one another? You have to have a foundation. This is going to be everlasting love. Singles, know that when you decide to choose a a marriage mate, 
Know that it's everlasting love. Make sure that that's the foundation. Make sure that you understand that you're going to have problems. Make sure that you know it might not go like you planned. It might not go that way. But if you have a foundation of everlasting, everlasting love, you will hang in there. And God will bring you to a place where he gets the glory out of that marriage. If you hang in there. Let's go over to the last chapter, 14. Because this is what God is looking for in his people. Is God's response to all this happened. He wants us, even in our times, our moments of getting in the flesh, he wants us to do what he's recommended for Israel. Verse 1. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, for we may present, that we may present the fruit of our lips. That's what he wants us doing. Assyria would not save us. We'll not ride on horses. Nor will we say again, our God, to the work of our hands, for in you the orphan finds mercy, O Lord. Heal us, O Lord. See, he wants us coming to him. And I'm going to show you a video clip that um, depicts just what I've been saying. Then I'm going to come back and in verse 4 present some more things what we should see in this video clip. We should see a person come and say, I repent. I repent. Because of your great love, I repent. Because of your great love, I'm going to return. Because of your great love, I'm going to turn. That's what we should see. Let's see that we see it. get some coffee. Just go up here to the coffee place and grab some. You're going to leave without saying a word, no goodbye, no nothing. 
I love you, you know. I do, no matter what, and you need to know that. Yeah, right. What do you mean by that? I don't mean anything by it. Yeah, what are you trying to say by doing that? I'm not trying to say anything. Sure you are. For the love of what is there to say? I've been cheating on you. You want details? Is that it, details? Just slow down, please. Just go out and grab a cup of coffee. That's all you I'm You really need to stop forgiving me like this, Jimmy. I'm leaving. Lisa. Lisa, please. No, here. Here's your ring. Would you please just take the ring? Come on, Lisa. After all those nights I waited up for you, you can't give me the time it takes to drink a cup of coffee? Jimmy, please. Just a cup. No. A single cup of coffee, that's all I'm asking. What is it with you and the coffee? You make it sound like salvation or something. I don't want coffee. Would you please just take the ring? Why don't you just take it to a pawn shop and hawk it or something? I'm not taking it back. You know, Jimmy, it's not just the infidelity. Your birthday? I wasn't at work like I said I was. I was with somebody else. Somebody else? You know what I mean. That pocket watch I gave you? I didn't have time to go get your gift. So he gave it to me. That was his watch. Maybe you ought to give that back to him. Can't you see what I mean? I tried to be a good wife to you, I did. But there's something wrong with me, I can't do it. And you're a good man, Jimmy, you deserve better than that. I don't want better than that, I want my wife. No, you don't. Yes, I do. <laughs> no, you cannot love this. Nobody can care for this. think that I'm stupid? And I can't see that you're a walking contradiction? Why can't I love you? It's my heart. It's my love. I can do with it what I want. I can love my mother. I can love watching bees suck nectar from a flower. And I can love your eyes when they're desperate and lonely like this. It's mine. I'm allowed. And right now, I invest my love in you because that is who I am. I'm your husband. I am the man who promised you through thick and thin. And if you could feel those words in the way that I mean them right now, you wouldn't question whether I'm capable of loving you or not. You would say no. He loves me that much. I'm only asking for a cup of coffee. I was...
trying to review the video clip, and each time I will cry, so I just stop looking at it. So <laughs> when I said I was going to go, I said I'm not going to look at it. I'll just concentrate on something else. You know, <laughs> I don't want to get up there and be crying. Oh. But do you really know this series? That God loves us with an everlasting love, just like this young man loved his wife. And you probably can't imagine, I can't imagine someone telling me that, that the gift that they gave me for birthday was somebody else's because they were somebody else. And they, they, she's trying to tell him to stop forgiving me. Stop you, you stop forgiving me like this. I don't want you to keep forgiving me because he stayed up at night. And some of you might have been through things like that. She doesn't want restitution. She doesn't want to come back. She wants to be left alone. But he loves us. Isn't that how God is? And what, what Satan would try to get you to believe is that, well, you might as well Go on and stay away from God, stay away from church, stay away from everything because God doesn't love you anymore. Look what you've done. Look what you've said. God has seen everything, so therefore, he doesn't love you anymore. The message today is God loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you in spite of what you've done. He loves me in spite of all my weaknesses or inefficiencies. He loves us with an everlasting love. I'm so excited about it because what he wanted Israel to do, I said I'll read that. He wanted Israel to come back and say, forgive me. Take me, take me back, Lord. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I mean cleanse. The blood of Jesus washes clean as snow, no matter what you've done. God loves us with, with an everlasting love. And she said something that was very important. She said, well, you can't, nobody can love this. And she pointed to herself. She knew something was wrong with her. She said, I, I tried to, to be a good wife, but you know, something's wrong with me. And I say, something is wrong with probably all of us. Because we are we're born from Adam. And so we have a flesh. Unfortunately, this flesh doesn't want to obey God. And I know that I need some things done in my life. And so I have the crowd of God, help me, Lord, because something is wrong with me in this area. You've done great and marvelous things in this area over here, God. I try not to let anybody see anything, but there's good stuff over here. But, God, I know. <laughs> I know that there are areas you're working on. And, God, help me. 
I want you to know today that God wants to help you. He wants to help you. And so the foundation for relationships, this first tune-up, is working on your foundation. That God loves you. That even though he knows that something is wrong, maybe because of my past, maybe because of your past, maybe because of all the things that have happened to you, God still loves you, and he's going to work with you, and he's going to get you through this thing if you hang in there. And I want you to give each other the grace to do that. Because God is merciful. Allow that person that you're in relationship with to be healed. Allow them to grow in that area. Don't just, as the old saying, just be, don't just dish them. You know, don't just you know, throw them away. Don't just uh, break the relationship just because you know that they're not meeting your needs. Oh, come on, saint. We want our needs to be met, don't we? But Israel is not meeting the need of holiness, sanctification that God has. How are you going to show agape? How are you going to show love? How are you going to show that, that love that God shows us? How are you going to show it if you don't have somebody that's not loving? <laughs> How are you going to show long-suffering if they don't have, have something that's wrong that you're going to have to be long-suffering for? How are you going to do it? You can't even show the fruit of the Spirit if you're not in a relationship where the fruit of the Spirit is going to be tested. This is the foundation. So we're going to end today with communion because it's very important that we realize that it's the blood of Christ. Oh, the blood of Jesus that has been shed for us. It's the blood of Jesus who cleanses us. It's the body of Christ that's been broken for us that we can be healed of this stuff that I went through in my growing up where I just didn't want to be with my father. I didn't want to uh, do some things because I just didn't want to because I thought he was mean, and he was. (laughs) But see, he wasn't saved. But as some of you have been here long enough know that... uh, after I got saved and uh, God healed me, then, of course, I had the opportunity to present the gospel to him. There was time he gave his life to Christ before he died. So I'm very thankful. And I found out that he, he loved me. He just didn't know how because he was, he was not loved. May I have the... Uh, the people that's going to help with the communion come up. I have a testimony for you of God's love for us, and I want us to be prepared. Miss Holloway, would you come up? I want us to be prepared for God to do things during communion. So Miss Holloway is going to share something with us, and what we're going to do is.
as soon as she finished sharing, uh, we're going to come up, receive the elements, and then we're going to take it together. So, Ms. Hollow, would you share? My, my story starts, God, our Father loves you and me. I didn't know that's what he was going to talk on. <laughs> but that's, that's true. And, are we, and he's talking to us all the time. Are we listening? Well, um, in the last three weeks, words of knowledge have come forth for healing, for healing uh, people with uh, bad ears, people with breast cancer, people with a uh, sore right arm, and um, can I, do I have time to share the scripture? Okay, I don't want to share uh, three small scriptures. Matthew 6, 4 to 6. That's not right. Matthew 6, 4 to 6. Well, the, the, anyway, what I thought I had written here was a story about, about Jesus... Uh, when he went to his hometown, he could hardly heal anybody because nobody, nobody believed him. Nobody believed in him. And then, the sto- all right, now I go to Luke 8, um, 43 to 48. <clears throat> and a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. When the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And in John 9, 1. John 9, 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he would be born blind. Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day, for night is coming when no one can work. While I am the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. Therefore, every, And then this is the man who, right after this, he was taken into this temple because they didn't want... He was jumping and leaping and praising God and... Uh, course the people of the temple didn't want that going on and didn't want god to get the jesus to get the the credit either so um but i'm saying that last uh last saturday no where's my notes (laughs) um there's my notes okay Uh, last sunday a word came forth about an arm being healed and it said the right upper arm and recently 
Well, I thought, gee, my right arm, upper arm's been bothering me for 13 months. That's recently enough for God. So I came up to be healed. <laughs> and my arm works just great, and I can sleep at night. And <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. Now, I was not the only one that came up for an arm to be healed. There were, I heard there were two other people came up. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they weren't healed mm-hmm. last Sunday, but maybe this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Because God does, God's not a respecter of person. He'll, he'll heal anybody because he loves us all. He wants us all to be healed. And um, I don't want you to miss your healing, and you don't want to miss it. So listen, God is, is God speaking to you? He's speaking to us all the time. We just have to listen. And he might even give you a word for somebody else, like somebody else's healing, like a word of knowledge, which is what mine was from. So I just want you to not to be afraid to come forward and accept your healing when God has spoken for you. And give God the glory for all your healing as well as all he's given you. Mm-hmm. Praise God. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Let's stand. We want to uh, leave from your place to come get uh, the elements and go back this way. Go out right, come back left, same way, right, left, same way there, right, left. And we'll hold those until uh, we all can partake together. So if you uh, now come on out, those who don't have the elements yet. It's a good thing that uh, like Ms. Hollow shared. Healing can take place during communion. Healing can take place during the teaching of the Word of God. Healing can take place during worship. Healing can take place uh, just uh, you talking to somebody. God can heal you just because you came in the door. God is, is not restricted. He can heal you uh, during the time when we have uh, the altar team up. He can heal your emotions. He can heal your hurts. Healing can be physical. It can be mental. It can be emotional. It can be spiritually. Regardless of what it is, we want you to receive your healing. Where it says in Isaiah that Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He is bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That's what we are doing now. We're receiving the juice as representing the blood of Christ that was shed for us. And the, the way for as the body of Christ broken for us. And there's healing. Expect it. Expect it.
Let's partake of the wafer, the body of Christ broken for us. And the juice, the blood of Christ shed for us. Take this as well, just in case he gives out, because you haven't touched any mercy. I'd like to have the worship team come up. We're going to end singing a song that will put a Closure to the message, God loves us with an everlasting love. God loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you. He loves you. Don't you let anybody tell you any different. God loves you.